and a warm welcome back to the Esports Central Podcast. This is episode number 63, recorded the 8th of October 2019. Now, before we get on with this episode, I'd like to issue an apology, specifically around the MSI EveTech Euro Cup um, charity event that we spoke about last week on the podcast. Now, I spoke about it last week during the interview portion in episode number 62 with Nate from Game Time Media. And although I disclosed at the start of that um, episode or, or that segment, at least that I work the event, I have the bias and all that kind of stuff, I don't think I managed to overcome the conflict of interest. I think for me, listening back to it myself, there was a clear level of bias and the conflict of interest got in the way of the um, opinion that I presented. And as such, I gave quite a poor take and that's just one part of why I'm apologizing here. I think also when I was thinking about last week, I didn't really think about the t- content piece too much or, or sorry, that segment too much. And I did, wasn't really well researched in the fact I didn't have all my ducks in a row there. And I gave a very partial take of the entire situation and just a poor one. So for that, I'd like to apologize. It's not like I haven't got things wrong before, but in this case, the method of how I got it wrong is unacceptable for my own standards. I think dis- discussing something I have a conflict of interest about is not something I like to be doing in the future, especially if I'm going to do it that poorly. And two, just being unresearched on a, on a matter that I think required quite a bit of research. So... I was wrong there, ladies and gentlemen. I gave a poor take, and I'd like to apologize for that. So, but, alas, the episode 63 will commence, and I am joined by Mr. Prophecy again this week. Yeah, seems like you you and I are, are uh, terrible twosome at this point. Yeah. I mean, our, our friends Nadia and Glenn just abandoned us, but it's actually, I've been enjoying the podcast. You know, nice and intimate, just me and Prof. You know, cold romantic dates. Oh, well, hot romantic dates at somewhere again now. That is going to be the biggest problem. Is uh, Summer is an absolute bitch in this part of the country at this point in time. Oh, not even Summer you... yet, it's spring. Can you imagine what Summer is going to be like if this is spring? Dude, December is going to be wild. Yeah. And you know, the thing about Joburg Summer is that it's, it's not just hot, it's consistently hot. You know, day in, day out, it's going to be hot as hell, no rain, no humidity. It's just like, right, they're going to do the dry throat and hot days. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, let me just say that much. Alright, but you know, before we get into esports and all of that, we have our general shit talk time. My topic of shit talk for today has to be, well, it's two topics. Man United and Tottenham. It's, I say two, it's two different teams, but essentially it's the same thing. Hot piles of garbage, Prophecy. Mm, I mean, Man United certainly. I think Manchester City's just got a hot garbage... Uh, defense at the moment because they lost two of their, their best center backs so I mean they'll they'll be able to buy like the next five best in the in the world in January so Liverpool's got to make uh, hey while the sun shines yeah Liverpool looking real good but yeah I've been enjoying all the if anybody follows me on Twitter they see all the Man United memes I just retweet all the time it's it's very hilarious to me Tottenham at the same time also really funny and I'm an Arsenal fan so I've been laughed at for the last 10 years so I am allowed to laugh back okay Football aside, this is the Esports Central Podcast. We do talk about all things esports, international esports, local esports. And our topic to start things off today is the second biggest esports in the world. Counter-Strike Go Prophecy. CSGO. A half long name, half short name, balancing all things like Ember Spirit says. No, CSGO. Counter-Strike Global O. Yeah, so I mean... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, like brain pain I for broke, half a second. I broke 
Yeah, I mean, mostly what I want to talk about is actually two things. So the first one, I think, let's give a, a massive shout out to the the guys from ATK. Uh, the the news broke this afternoon that uh, they'd been invited to EPL. That's uh, the uh, ESL Pro League, and it's a really big thing. It's probably one of the biggest events. It's probably one of the highest paying events in CS:GO as well. Um, it's played on land. They they changed it from a little while ago, but uh, it really does have massive potential if ATK can get out of their group. They have a good, uh, you know, they have a pretty good chance of making some waves. Only problem is their group contains Team Liquid, and uh, Team Liquid is uh, still the number one ranked team in the world according to ESL. Not quite on on HLTV where they're second, but uh, considering that uh, they're widely considered to have the uh, the highest um, level of skill ever put together in a CS:GO team, I think ATK might struggle a little bit. Uh, they do also have uh, Renegades and an as yet unannounced uh, fourth team uh, in their group. So we'll be uh, waiting with uh, you know eager eyes and eager ears to see what comes through there. But uh, I, I think AT- ATK getting into the SL Pro League is uh, it's pretty good news for SA because obviously it uh, it contains JT and Sonic, the last two remaining of the uh, the South African guys that went overseas. So hopefully they they can get some noise out there. And uh, you know just wanted to start it off with a little bit of local and international flavor there, don't you think? Yeah, it's the best news ever. I was so pumped when I saw it this this afternoon. Like, obviously, this team has been doing super well so far, right? We were all a bit sad when we saw most of the South African guys get the laboot and come back home. But I think it was for good reason at the time because the team wasn't doing too well. And since they got the additional three Americans with JT and Tonic, our teams look real good so far. They've had a couple of good results online already, and now they're making it to the pro league. It's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what we wanted to see because, um, you know, obviously it, it, these guys, because they play online, online is a very difficult uh, sort of environment to, to do consistently well. And, uh, you know, being able to see them on land, they are going to get uh, quite a lot of exposure because um, it is one of the biggest events in the world. So, so long as they can get out of their group, that's certainly not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. They do have Renegades, which is a very, very good team uh, in second place on the, on the, the group, but uh, there is there is a chance that they can get out, and I look hundred uh, percent forward to seeing whether they can do it or not. Yeah, Renegades number ten in the HLTV rankings. Yeah. I love that Counter Strike has a leaderboard. I know it's disputed how good the leaderboard is or not, but just the fact that we can make uh, a about it. That, that cool. one's that one's pretty good, uh, considering that like it, it's run by a bunch of stats guys. It'd basically be the equivalent of Knoxville making a leaderboard that that uh, was used worldwide. All right, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah. The group is tough. Like, you have Liquid and Renegades. It's like two really tough teams. I think every team in the Pro League is a, is a tough team. But, hey, crazier things have happened in CSGO. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah, some good news for local and international, I suppose. And ATK, again, I've got to say this. HLTV's forums, when that team got formed, had positive sentiments around the team. Where do you ever see that on the internet, you know? Uh, it is super, super rare. I'll give you I'll give you that. It's... it's uh... HLTV is is not uh, HLTV forums, should I say, are not uh, known for being the most enlightened of human beings in the world. Yeah, that's for sure. So we've also had two major CS:GO tournaments, I believe, Prof. Yes, we have. major as in the major, but major as yeah, in, like wow, huge, these are huge, major huge, events, yeah, yeah. Like, like really massive events. Uh, I mean, we didn't. We, we obviously debated talking about uh, uh, ESL Pro League last week, but I oh, think ESL we, New York, you mean? So yeah. Yeah, what I was saying. ESL One New York, um, but I, I think we both agreed that like it would have been, you know, it, it made 
more of an impact to talk about them together because obviously with the way things went, uh, ESL Pro League was won by, man, <laughs> ESL won New York, was won by EG in dominant fashion. And then they got on a plane three hours later after winning that event, flew to Sweden and got knocked out uh, in last place at the DreamHack Masters Malmö. So it's uh, a bit of an interesting one because with the events back-to-back run by two separate TOs that are both owned by the same overarching company, which is a bit of an interesting one. I'm not 100% certain exactly why they decided on those dates, although apparently it did have quite a bit to do with uh, the major taking Malmo's dates, uh, or Malmo's original dates, and they ha- them having to shift. So not, 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 not well played there by Valve, but at the end of the day, we still got two very, very big events with, um, you know, with a very short gap between them. And Malmo ended up being won by Fnatic, uh, a recently reformed team. They basically brought not the classic lineup together, but a classic lineup uh, that won uh, two massive events beginning of last year. Fnatic had been pretty terrible coming into Malmo. Hadn't really done a whole lot of anything, obviously, with the, the new lineup. But even those players together hadn't done a whole lot of anything. And, uh, I mean, they got Flusher back. He's been doing nothing for six, uh, six or seven months. Uh, Crims has been playing well, but JW had not been. Um, Brolan had been there or thereabouts, but he's like 17 years old, so what can you really expect from him? And then obviously they brought Golden back from, I mean, the wilderness because he'd been doing nothing for a, you know, a month or so after he'd been removed from, or he was a stand-in for for Nip at the major where they just got absolutely wrecked. So, you know, you put all these disparate element, elements together, a whole bunch of players out of form, doesn't look like anything's going to happen, and they slam everybody at well. Let's say they slammed the the playoffs. They didn't quite slam everybody in the groups because they looked okay in groups, not really much of anything. Um, got to the semifinals, absolutely like monstered Stralis in the semifinals. Get to the final and play uh, the boys from Vitality, who also had uh, new recruit shocks there. And I mean, I wouldn't say it was the easiest of games, but like I do think they would round up deserved winners. Interestingly enough, massive change from from ESL One New York, which took place a week earlier. And ESL One New York, that might be one of the most dominant performances you, you'd see from a team in in a final. And even then, they only won three one. So, like EG was on an extremely hot streak, and it really does feel like the the jet lag absolutely ruined them coming into that event. I mean. Have you ever seen events with like less than two days gap between them, Camille? Like, but that's on other sides crazy. of the world, that is crazy. The the fact that they had to fly a couple of hours after a final is nuts. And obviously, that final was a tough one. They had to play against Astralis, right? Even though it looked dominant and stuff, the level of focus and concentration and effort and emotional and physical strength that needs to happen to ha- have that kind of final. Ha- um, be played yeah, and then to fly like two hours later is fucking insane, dude. It's insane. Yeah. I didn't get to watch um the second was it ESL or uh, Malmo uh, Dreamhack Malmo, yeah. Dreamhack Malmo, <laughs> but the ESL event was so fucking hype, man. I know it's like a week later and there's a whole other event, but the Liquid versus Astralis match lived up to the hype. My God, that shit was so entertaining. I think EG we we spoke about I think on one of the podcasts that they they bought a, both an LCS slot yeah. and a CSGO slot. Drop mad cash on both, and uh, I mean, within uh, a couple of days of buying the team, they ended up winning a fucking major event, beating Astralis. Like it's insane. I mean, like the the, the rumor is that the CS:GO team costs three million dollars. That's wow. the rumor, and you can guess in the region of a 
probably you know uh you know high millions for for the um for the league of legends slot so eg came in dropped mad bank to get involved in there so like very very well played to eg and i mean they they, they walked out of there with uh, a huge prize because um you know whatever you say like yeah they didn't perform well at melmo they still stomped new york pretty damn effectively and they looked like absolute uh, world beaters while they were doing it so Mad props to EG there. Just a pity that uh, the turnaround time was so little. We didn't get to see any of the really big matchups that we wanted to see in Malmo because um, I think teams came. There was like eight teams that came in with roster changes into Malmo, and none of like the the favorites apart from Astralis made it to the semifinals. So didn't get to get didn't didn't get a chance to see all of the the really top tier match the matchups that we wanted to see. But still, it, it gave us quite a view into the weaknesses of some of the rosters that are going around right now. Yeah, I think uh, a nice storyline also going around in the CSGO scene at the moment is that a lot of people, because Astralis have been doing so well recently, have been saying that Astralis are backing their prime. And Thorin is the guy saying that like every time they lose or this thing happens or that thing happens, he's like, shut up, motherfuckers. They're not even near their prime. They're just doing well. And I've actually, I know I'm hitting most of the analogies on this podcast, but I got an analogy for Astralis right now. They're like the Novak Djokovic of CSGO. Even if they're playing shit, even if they're taking a break, even if they're looking bad, if they pitch up on the day, they're most likely going to be favorites. And even if they win, doesn't mean they're playing their best, but they're still the favorites yeah. and they're still fucking Astralis, you know? Yeah, it, it really does feel like that right now. Um, in that, like, they they have, uh, like, of, of the top three, like, the really big guns is obviously EG, Liquid, and, and Astralis right now. Um, of those three, I think Astralis has the least outright skill. But because of the like the style of play that they have, it means that they're always in a game. They're always very very tough to beat. They're always like in a grind. You you like you really do have to like beat them. They're not going to just roll over and die. And it, it makes that like every every uh, match they have or every series they have is going to be entertaining because you have to pull out all the stops to beat them. And yeah, sure, EG like slammed them in the, in the ESL one New York final where they did like stomp Astralis, but like. Even when they were stomping them, it like it wasn't easy. They were just hitting like the nuts shots, and you could see there were games and there were points in those games where Astralis really was making them uh, work for their effort. That's exactly what you what you want to see. You want to see a team that yeah, they might not be at their prime. They you know they might be on on the downslope right now, but they are still incredibly tough to beat. And that's it, it makes for extremely exciting CS, and particularly with what we saw from Dreamac Malmo. There's a whole bunch of teams that are coming in right now that are looking the same way. Vitality with their change to Shocks, they're looking very, very good. Fnatic, obviously, we're going to see, can they continue this run? You know, maybe it's just a honeymoon period where they're looking good. Na'Vi, they finally kicked their in-game leader a couple of weeks ago. They brought in um, uh, Guardian back to the lineup. They, I mean, I, like, I've, I've never seen a Na'Vi team look that happy. It's weird. You're like, you know, like you always looked at the Na'Vi in, in previous years and they looked like really sort of like down and, you know, like very, very stern. Now they actually look happy. So this period of CS is going to be absolutely wild. It's fantastic to see that, you know, like we've got the, 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 the three kings, as you can almost call them, Astralis, Liquid, and, and, and EG right now. But they aren't safe by any measure. They they really have to, to play very, very well to get to, to finals. And if all these teams can come good, dear Lord, it is going to be a wild period of CS in the in the coming months. Yeah, again, what Baron was saying as well, on the similar lines, he says this could be one of the golden periods in Counter-Strike in, just in terms of how many good teams there actually are at the moment. And 
for any scene in any game when you have uh, multiple good teams showing up at, at all these events it makes for hella entertaining CS I think I think I personally think even though I'm not an expert I think Counter-Strike is in a great place right now it certainly is. Um, I mean, with all the rumors of, of what's happening uh, next year, it, it could change. Obviously, we've got rumors of multiple exclusivity leagues coming through. But as of, as of right now, if this period of CS can, can continue and these teams can, you know, like step up their game and, and play consistently well, it, it's going to be an extraordinarily exciting um, time for, for CS fans and just esports fans in general that want to watch Counter-Strike. For sure. So, in the land of uh, Lord Gaben's favorite game, Dota 2 World, we had a couple of things happen recently. So, not super exciting like CSGO and shit because they've been on off-season off post-TI. But now, season started up again. There's been uh, qualifiers for the Chengdu uh, Major, the first Major of the year in the Dota 2 World. And last week, I hyped up Sumail and his new team so much and I said they're going to be significantly better than EG. That in the did. qualifier last night, they played, okay? They lost. King and the team lost to EG 2-1. Unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunate. But, you know, it just... It was first major. Like, King still got... Um, he's still hungover from TI after party, you know? Is it, eh? Yeah. That's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. I still think fucking... King's uh, team is better. I doubt very much, sir. I doubt We'll, we'll see, Prof. The season is still young. So, obviously, that happened. EG's already qualified for the Major. There's been a couple of people, people already qualified for the Major. I'm not going to dust all of them because it's not fucking exciting at all, even to me as a Dota fan. Um, a lot of the top teams are taking breaks for this first Major. So, we could see some unexpected results happen at the Chengdu Major when it does eventually take place. Obviously, just qualifiers going on right now. So, that could be hype when it happens. But at the same time, not all the top teams are going to play. So, who gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. nobody's really going to care. For sure. But, I mean, I can talk about something else that we don't care about right now. <laughs> no, all right. Go, go on. I'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, one exciting thing that has happened in the qualifiers, right? In the BTS household, a familiar name has rejoined the fray. LD is back to casting Dota 2. So those who don't know him, he was one of the top casters ever in Dota. He casted multiple TI finals. He's just an all-around fucking amazing caster. He's like one of... He's the guy who rivals Toby One in the big shouty moments. Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got the ding, 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 mother squeaker. <sighs> they had to change that shit. They had to fuck. You know, we'll get. To, we actually have a segue into the ding, ding, squeaker instead of motherfucker the way it used to be, right? In a this podcast, I will connect the two, even though they shouldn't be connected. But I'll make the link. So Aldi's back. I don't know if he's like back, back and going to be casting Dota. He's been casting the qualifiers. It's been great. People love him. He's he's back. Obviously, he's Aldi, man. It's good to see him back. Um, and that's just a small thing, not, not news, of course. And another small uh, piece of exciting news in Dota is that Dendi, of course, the most, I would say, the most well-known esports personality in the world. Uh, no, not even yes. close. No, he's yes. the face of Dota. I'll give, you, I'll give you him being the face of Dota, but he's not even close to like the most well-known esports player in the world. All right, fine. Okay, the face of Dota, the face of esports, <laughs> Dendi, uh, has created, decided to create his own team. So we speak on this podcast and people speak on many podcasts about how it's impossible to make it as an MGO, which is actually the topic of our guest interview a little bit on or one of the topics which you'll, you'll get to. And he decided he's going to make his own team. So it's new journey for Dendi. Uh, I'm interested to see how it goes for him, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's a weird one. I mean, like Dendi, obviously, like let's be real, he hasn't really been... Um, 
relevant at the top level as a player for quite a while. Like, obviously, everybody's going to love him because it's Dandy. You know, like you yeah. you can't not like Dandy. But as an actual pro player, I I don't think he's reached those heights in many many years. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It sucks to see, but you know, you you'd, you'd rather remember the good parts about him than than uh, towards the yeah. the back end of the career where he hasn't been as good. So. Uh, it's interesting to see that he's still around and, and obviously like he's going to create a new team and uh, you know, like all props to him, maybe he does make a comeback, you know, gets, gets I, another I couple a, of strong runs out or is it just a, about, a fun team? No, no, no. I think it's like he, he wants to be like, like he's creating a team like a liquid, for example. Like, he oh, so like he's creating, he, he wants to like own an org. Yeah, an org. Sorry, oh, maybe an cool. org was the better word. All right. I don't know. I mean, that, that's even better because I mean, like the thing is like Dandy's probably the most easily marketable player in that region. Um, I mean, just like just about any esport in that region. So, he's obviously extraordinarily well known in the CIS, and that that'll buy you, that'll get you a lot of purchase responses if if you can show that uh, you know you're you're as popular as you are there. Yeah, I think like Prof says, it's like I mean, in similar cases, like when we saw Jordan own a, a, a team in the NBA, kind of a similar thing where he, Dendi himself already has a lot of clout. He was in Navi, uh, signed a, a contract and still getting paid, even though he stopped playing for them for a really long time because they always wanted him to be associated with the Navi brand. So now he's going to have his own brand. It'll be interesting to see what he can do with it going forward. I think I do still stand by the opinion that it's a, it's a real tough climate out there for being an org or a TO and anything in esports. But if there's a time to succeed, it is now because eventually, you know, we have the promise of things working out eventually. Oh. It's not even that. If you just think about how many teams are going to start off with like that much clout. Yeah, that's a fair point. Because like there aren't many bigger players in Dota than Dendi, right? Like yeah. he, he might not be um, a top tier player in many many years, but the fact that you can be like, oh, that's Dendi, and just about everybody knows who he is in Dota. Like you go to like you create a new team, you go to a sponsor, and you just say. Um, oh, I'm Dandy, and they're like, oh, okay, what does that mean in Dota? Just go and like, just go and look at the the like the numbers of of um, followers that he has on Twitter, the number of followers that he would have on Facebook, and like that is going to have huge purchase responses, and that's exactly what what you want, because as soon as he starts that org, he's already ahead of you know the, the next ten that try and do the same thing, just because he's Dandy. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's a good start for him. I'm curious to see how it goes. For him in the future, it should be good. Yeah, Dota 2, some positive news on that end. That's the end of the positive news I have to speak about personally. Like, you enjoyed oh, I mean, losing. You enjoyed LD coming back. You enjoyed Deadly, but this next topic, not going to be enjoyed. What are you going to say there, Prof? No, I was just, I mean, well, you won't enjoy the next topic because I want to talk about uh, League of Legends Worlds. Oh. So get wrecked, Camille. Get All absolutely right. wrecked. Fine. The League of Legends Worlds is actually on. It started last week with the play-ins, and the play-ins are actually going on right now as we speak. They're about to decide who's won, and it's actually Splice that has completed and taken that fourth spot. So the play-ins have just completed, guys, as, as we're talking about this. it is. Uh, I mean, it's recorded for Thursday, but it's actually uh, recorded on an earlier day. And Give away our, our secrets, bro, yeah, Gappa. Of course. I mean, we, we come from the future, dude. Didn't you know that? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the teams that have made it into the plane, Damwon Gaming from South Korea, Clutch Gaming, HK Attitude, and Splice from Europe are the four teams making it into Worlds play-ins. 
And uh, it's going to be a hella exciting one because uh, Worlds starts... Let me get you the exact date here. All right, so Worlds actually starts on Saturday morning. That's uh, 10, uh, 12, the 12th of October. It'll run till uh, November, but uh, on the 12th of October, it does start. Worlds League of Legends' biggest show, probably the biggest show in all of esports. And uh, I really, like I said, like if, if you haven't watched it before and you, you're not really interested in League of Legends, at least this is probably, you know, it's like, you know how rugby, like nobody in the world ever watches rugby uh, until like the World Cup comes along, then everybody's like the biggest fan. And it's like, oh, then we're going to go watch this. Like, you'll see, like, oh, like, you know, Americans now understand rugby. And it's like, South Africans are like, wait, Americans actually play rugby? What's going on here? So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I really would recommend it. Like, League of Legends does tend to do a, a very good show putting on their worlds. Have a look at it. Have a gander. Uh, maybe it's not for you, but um, at least you'll get to see, you know, parts of the biggest game uh, in the uh, the esports scene. And, uh they, they 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 generally do uh, put on a very very good show, and it's something that everybody can learn a little bit of, um, yeah, learn something from. Let's put it that way. All right. So just to correct myself, there I didn't just completely space out during League of Legends speak. I'm not gonna lie. Tendi actually is. I was wrong. He is actually wanting to play in this. He says after Ti, he learned a lot from watching how the orgs um, oh. grew and stuff, and he he wants to give it a shot. He's gonna give it his all once again. So I don't know if I have faith in that, even no. as a Dendi fan. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> but, yeah. This is, this is like Jordan coming back to play for the Wizards. It's just like, Holmes, you were, guard, you were a guard a couple of years ago. You ain't anymore. Please stop. I mean, you're like 15 now. Just just settle down, mate. Just settle down. <laughs> uh, that's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. So, yeah. So, fuck, yeah. Dendi actually is playing. But yeah, Worlds is starting. It's going to be hype. Uh... Looking, looking for my boy Faker to win. We still actually didn't decide the terms of our bet, and I figured out the terms. So three, four podcasts ago, I bet prophecy that my boy Faker and SK Telecoms is gonna is gonna win worlds, and I found the terms of the bet prophecy. Okay, what's what's the bet? If SKT wins and my boy Faker does it once again, you have to make a one minute thirty second video talking about the perks of Man United. What what what's good good things about Man United? Sure. And he and, and prophecy's a Liverpool fan, mind you. And I'm an Arsenal fan. So either of us losing and having to do that is painful to say the least. I'm 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 good with that. I'm happy to take that bet. Alright. Alright, I want to see some Pogba dick sucking all the way through. Thank you very much. No no no. You said <laughs> like the good aspects of, of Man United. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Because obviously I'm gonna win the bet, ladies and gentlemen. We all know that. We all know that. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll announce what uh, Camille's punishment is if he loses. So, ne- and we'll do that next week. So, oh, yeah, we'll oh, oh. We'll we see. announcing an announcement now. We said a esports. Dude, it's 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 South African esports. If you're not announcing an announcement of an announcement, what are you even doing these days? True. What true, are true. you even doing these days? Hashtag marketing one hundred and two because we're ahead of the one hundred and one, bros. Like, so, like, like we said, we come from the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're living in Thursday. We're living in fucking the days before that. I don't know. All right. Back to serious stuff now. So, in the land of Blizzard Overwatch, well, not Overwatch, but Blizzard in general, we have some news going down. Now, it goes. this news goes far beyond just Blizzard, but the esports context of this is, well, well, Blizzard in this case, right? It, yeah, it's, it's, it's an esports thing that's basically happened because politics have infested everything these days. Let's just say yeah. that. 
It's not an esports problem. It's far bigger than that. But it will show you how it just it affects affected esports. esports. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna quote Slash's tweets here word for word, because fuck it, I don't want to have my own opinion right now about this. I'll get to that just now. Breaking effective immediately. Blizzard has removed Hong Kong Hearthstone player Blitz Chung from Hearthstone Grandmasters, rescinded all his prize money, and has suspended him from pro play for one year for his recent interview. Statement below. Blizzard say a whole bunch of shit, but basically, man spoke about the fucking protests and revolutions going on in Hong Kong. His words were, liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age. And obviously in China, that is not an accepted thing at all. And yeah. um, basically, the Blizzard Taiwan Twitch channel that had the spot of this Hearthstone thing completely deleted. The guy's been banned. Um, the Hearthstones also... have been banned. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so like, just just to clear up every uh, uh, clear <laughs> up I, things. Can I quote the Can I quote the tweet? I don't know. I'm laughing. It's really fucking depressing. But it just just let me read the tweet. Sure. Blizzard has also fired both of the casters working the event, both of whom literally ducked underneath the deck during the interview. Neither of which, to my knowledge, have any other idea what was going to be said. And then this is Slacious, uh, two cents on it. Very cool, Blizzard. Yeah. Um. Look, just just to be clear. Blizzard banned him under the following uh, competition rules. So uh, section 6.1, I think it's O, page 12 of their competition rules, section 6.1O. Uh, engaging in any act that in Blizzard's sole discretion brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image, will result in removal from Grandmasters and a reduction of the player's prize pool to $0, in addition to other remedies which may be provided for under the handbook and uh, Blizzard's website terms. So basically, Blizzard is saying that he, by saying, and let me get you the exact context, also the, the exact words that he said, um, he said, um, liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age. It's literally all he said, right? So liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age. Somehow contravened Blizzard's bringing himself into public uh, disrepute, Offending a portion or a group of the public, or otherwise damaging Blizzard's image. I'm not quite certain how that sentence has done any of those things, Blizzard. So uh, let me. Unless, of course, we remember that uh, a small company by the name of Tencent, tiny company, no, mini, minute company, owns five percent of Blizzard. Yeah. Except- I'll, I'll, I'll push this to become a bigger meta discussion. So the reason we started off this whole segment saying it's not an esports related thing because the issue is much bigger. So we're seeing this happen in the fucking Hearthstone Blizzard Activision world, right? But in the NBA, we have had a very similar thing recently. In the NBA, it's a lot bigger than esports. Oh, don't at me. This is breaking fucking hot news take. And there, we had a Houston's Rocket owner, um, I forget the guy's name now, said something about the Hong Kong thing. He ended up having to delete his tweet. He made a fucking apology and all that shit. But the NBA is currently doing a tour in in in, in China. And the minute he made that statement, all Houston Rocket... Um, what's the word? Apparel? Apparel. Apparel. Apparel was dropped from the Nike store in China. There was a whole fucking thing where the players had to go and apologize and say, no, we totally don't support Hong Kong. It's a, it's a whole fucking shingding, right? And to, to be blunt about this, the reason that this happens, and we do talk about the business of esports, I'm not going to get into the politics of it all, but on a business point of view, and we talk about the business of esports a lot in this podcast, is that 
Your Chinese market is so fucking big, right? You can say fuck you to the entire of the we- entirety of the West, and I don't think the West is getting fucked here in any way, to be perfectly honest. Because again, it's a Hong Kong player getting screwed here, and the esports is on side, and it's just the NBA guy who's told to shut his mouth. The West not really getting affected, but but the fact of the matter is that China scene market is so big that even though we're gonna some people question the morals of this, the that, of anything, it doesn't really matter because. Where are you going to get fed? Who's going to put bread on the table? It's going to be the Chinese community. And you, uh, the fact of the matter is, this conversation came up when the whole cuckoo thing happened with, with Valve and Dota 2. That, oh, this guy said something racist. I'm going to now let the Chinese government decide who's going to play and who's not going to play and all of that kind of stuff. But that was actually small relative to like things happening in the NBA of what's being said on Twitter. Things happening in uh, like a Hong Kong guy saying this. Because now you're literally just getting... You're just getting told no. And the reason is because we don't like it. And the fact of the matter is all these companies, and I'll make this prediction for the next however long, I'm not going to say, no, China, I think that's a bit crazy. It's going to be, yes, we agree. We're not going to say that because you pay our bills. Right, Prof? Yeah, you pay our bills. You own our soul. I mean, pick any one of the the multitude of um, excuses that that people will, will bring up. But it is a dangerous precedent to set. Uh, I mean, like you were talking about the NBA. South Park ran an episode on on the censorship as well. And what happened? The entirety of South Park's in, uh, whole run was deleted off the internet in China. You can't access any part of South Park in China ever. To be honest, I'm surprised South Park was ever allowed in China. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like that that that's, that does stagger me. But like, uh, I mean, it, it does bring to light the fact that like especially corporations these days are incredibly wary of anything that can affect their bottom line. And let's be real. China is one of, if not the biggest market for a lot of these situ- uh, for a lot of these companies, uh, riot league of legends. It's their biggest market, uh, Dota two biggest market. So all these companies, I mean, we're going on about blizzard right now, but like blizzard, they're protecting their bottom line. It's, it's a horrible thing to say. And you know, it, it should never have, been allowed as such if you can say allowed but it is just a reality of of the world that like china means so much to so many uh companies these days that they're willing to to do to do things like this they're willing to um you know basically just turn around and and not take the ethical response and just fold like a house of cards when china says uh to do anything and and it's a it's incredibly disappointing, but you also do understand that like businesses are designed to make money. They don't really care about, um, they they don't really care about playing the ethics game because ethics are not going to make the money at the end of the day, and it's 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 a terrible thing. But it is what it is. Yeah, lo and behold, and shock Pikachu face. It, businesses put profits before anything else. Like uh, <laughs> I, I'm surprised to say that, you know, but that's just the fucking reality. Who would have so- thought? Who would have thought? So while it's like, oh, Blizzard is the big bad guy in the situation, the issue is far bigger than fucking Blizzard. And it's not just going to be Blizzard. You guys called out Valve for bending to Chinese will. Fucking Riot Games is owned by Tencent. Like, it's going to happen across the board. PUBG is, like, uh, connected with Tencent as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the the fact that the whole... Remember when the Diablo mobile thing got released, right? Yeah. Um, The fact that everybody on the internet quote-unquote lost their minds and shit about it i blizzard didn't give a fuck then either because the game was developed 
the mobile game was developed to appeal to the Chinese market, and the Chinese mobile market is massive. PUBG, we can say oh, I much much smack on this podcast about how badly optimized the game is for PC and stuff, but PUBG Mobile, not just in China, in Asian countries, is massive. The, it's a massive success, that game, in terms of like profitability for the companies, and that's what they actually care about at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's all they care about because that's uh, what the, the investors in those companies want to, to uh, see. Okay, so last meme. Okay, I, I don't know why I'm calling it a meme and this is a very serious topic. I just I just find it... I call it a meme. I'll be honest with you because I feel like the esports scene is so fucking ignorant now dealing with this whole situation. It feels like it's the first time they've seen somebody being censored about this Hong Kong thing, which just blows my mind. But yeah. So I'm going to read Adam Silva, the, the director of the fucking... NBA or the chairman, I don't know what's the correct term. The big guy at, at, of the NBA. Yeah. He's like, in uh, his, his relationship status with China regarding the NBA. This is his, his quote. The NBA will not put itself in a position of regulating what players, employees, team owners will or will not say on these issues. We could simply not operate that way. Sure, buddy. I agree with your statement. But at the same time, I know all of you fuckers are muzzled in China because you know how big that market is. Houston Rockets, Nike store can speak for that for itself. So, yeah. Fuck you, Adam Silva. Even though I really like Adam Silva, I think he's a good head I mean, of the NBA, actually. He's probably one of the, the most important corporate uh, corporate executives when it comes to um, esports. He's he's long had his eyes on esports for, for quite a while. So, you know, the fact that he's bending over as well to China, it's a little disappointing. But again, as I said, what what can we actually do about it? It's It's not up to us anymore. Yep. Like, because at the end of the day, again, NBA, it's a sports thing, but it, what a sports. Like, it's also marketing, business, bottom line matters. And the sad, or, or the reality of it, yeah. that China's bottom line is just, the line is much bigger than anywhere else. In the well, the, their bottom line is basically going to sink whole companies if they if they take a disliking to you, so you can't afford that. Simple yeah. as that. Yep. So, on that bombshell, we're kind of done with the censorship thing. And I think, Prof, is that is that our episode? It is. It's quite disappointing. Well, like, there's not a hell of a lot going on at the moment, although... Um, it's half our episode, because yeah. obviously this is our take on just general esports news, but we do have Evo coming on now. Well, in a, I say now in like five seconds. And then we'll, we talk a lot about... Well, I asked him about Sinister 5. He's the owner of Sinister 5 and that kind of stuff. But there's a lot about meta conversation about esports in South Africa, which I think is a really good conversation. I don't know what you thought about the chat, Mr. Prof. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously going to have a couple of interesting things to say. He's, he's got a... A couple of, I think, different opinions to to what a lot of people would uh, like to hear, but uh, you know, you, you're not going to get anywhere with everybody having the same opinion. So, it, it's it's an incredibly valuable piece of insight to have that someone that doesn't necessarily disagree with everything else that everybody says. Sweet. So that's it for the main part of the episode. We're now going to do the quote unquote editing magic, and bam, there's the interview. All right, it's time to head into that guest segment, the interview part of the podcast, and for this week. I got Mr. Evo, the owner of Sinister 5, with me. Evo, how are you doing tonight, my man? Fun and you. Hi to you and all your listeners. Yes. We are happy to have you here. It's been it's been a real while, actually. Usually, you're the first guy I run into to every single esports event. But now, you've left the country, so I don't see you every event, man. Yeah, that's a pity. Um, I'm living overseas at the moment. I uh, immigrated, actually, if you call it immigrating, because I went back to my home country, Bulgaria, about six months ago. So, unfortunately, I had to miss some good events in South Africa. I think it was a very busy year with, with so many lands happening. I really, wished, I really wished that I was there supporting the guys, maybe 
have won a few finals because we we made so many finals and just just fell short. I think with my support there, we could have just just made it. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. Why do you think about that? They needed the extra support for those finals. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if support would have helped them, but um, they, they certainly did pretty damn well making the finals at um, Rage for oh, sorry, Rage for the CS:GO and uh, Dota for for Masters. So yeah, I mean, a pretty good year overall. Although I like, I I do think that like maybe you guys could have done a little bit better, but that's just me. Well, compared to results uh, from previous from the previous year, there is definitely an improvement. Uh, I agree, we could have done better, especially with the CS:GO team. Uh, well, they they reached three finals during the year. Uh, okay. I don't know, so we could have done better if if a little bit extra work was put into it, I guess. But we'll 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 sort that out for the next season. Uh, I mean, the thing is, it's like you know, it's. it's... It's easy for people overseas to say, oh, you know, like we didn't work hard enough. Whereas like in South Africa, you got to like juggle actual, you know, like a, a nine to five job and, and, and. So like I, I can understand that it's like it's sometimes difficult to get, you know, yeah. everybody in the country at the same time all playing. So, yeah, it's it, yeah. it's understandable. South Africa's not there yet, but we are on the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you guys had a great year. Masters also for the Dota side was super impressive. But now... You know, I've interviewed Evo before for all the listeners out there, and so has um, Sargon when Sinister 5 started up, right? And then I've, I've asked this question before, but Evo, what is, your, what, is the, what is your goal when you created Sinister 5? Now, I know I've asked you this question before. You can go back to my 2017 interview I did at, uh, at EG, but now I have a, a second part to add. So what is your goal for Sinister 5 when you guys created the team? What is the thinking behind that? And then to follow up on that after that, after the answer, um, how do you guys think what you, you've done in achieving that goal? Okay, so going back three years, I think when we when we first met in that interview, Camille, um, I think uh, firstly I can say that I was I was quite green, very young into the scene at that time, very ambitious, very determined to, to create this awesome team and push the boundaries uh, as far as possible. I've learned, I've made a few mistakes along the way. We've learned a few hard lessons, and I'm and I'm very keen to actually pass those that that those experiences to, to new MGO owners or, or the ones who are who are starting up MGOs um, like in 2020 and then in the future. But at those days, we we wanted to create uh, an MGO based on on passion, unity, determination, hunger for success respect, friendship, all of those good values and qualities. And I think that we've, we've managed to carry all those, all those values through, uh, through the years. Um, and I mean, we started from nowhere. We, we were literally completely unknown. And a matter of, of years, we have managed to become one of the top MGOs. Uh, we're glad that there's quite a few of those MGOs in the scene that we can have a very competitive scene. Um, comparing from what I see now in Bulgaria, uh, like a, a country like Bulgaria, which is not very big, it's only about six, seven million people, uh, but a country which produces uh, top tier players, tier one, tier two players in CSGO and Dota 2. I mean, talk about players like Mind Control and uh, Nico Baby. Uh, when it comes to Dota players, we can say CSGO players uh, winning double uh, ESG last year. Uh, I'm not familiar with, with the CSGO 
aims exactly, but they come up with very good players and very good teams. They don't really have a, a very good functioning uh, esports scene in Bulgaria. They're very dependent on the whole European uh, continent, you know, to to provide that scene for them. Well, in South Africa, we're quite fortunate to have our own ecosystem, which is a little bit isolated from the rest of the world, of course, but that, that contributes to us having you know, an enclosed ecosystem, which somehow functions, you know, we can work on the, on increasing and growing the spectators, but I think the rest of the pieces of that puzzle are, are there in place and are functioning. We've got great MGOs, we've got tournament organizers, which are doing everything possible, you know, to grow the scene as well. We've got uh, personalities and casters and all kinds of different entities that in that little ecosystem. So we, we're fortunate from that perspective. So yeah, Sinister 5, um, has become one of the best, uh, and, and I'm quite happy with that. We're going to continue to boundaries, trying and get better. Be the best in South Africa is obviously the the, the short-term goal, and maybe in the future try and go uh, a little bit international overseas. And yeah, that's obviously always the ultimate goal. That right, answers your question. Yeah, That's a brave goal. It was the same answer you gave. Get the get yeah, number one always. in the and then, you know, we'll get there eventually. I love your analogy about how when we spoke the first time back in 2017, it was like you just came into the scene more or less. You were new, you were green, you were figuring things out. You had, you know, I was the same. Like, it sounds like you're talking about me. They look at the scene and like wide eyes. It's all new. It's exciting. And now it's like, you know, we, yeah. we complain a lot, especially on this podcast. But like you say, the South African ecosystem, we have a fully functioning ecosystem here in South Africa. We are really lucky to have that. Definitely, we're very lucky, and the, the players as well was are so so fortunate to be able to play in in quite a nice size tournaments uh, with with nice uh, prize pools. You know, the, the tournament organizers are, are getting better and better at what they do. The MGOs give them a lot of support. There's so many great MGOs that have been functioning for the last couple of years already with with history behind them. There's new ones that are coming in. Uh, like I said, we just need to work on the spectatorship, and we. We need to bring in more and more people into the esports scene, and everything will be fine. That will just just get better and better. So let's spread the positivity and then be inspiring and encouraging and all of that on this podcast today. <laughs> I like but it. it's not it's not just rainbows and roses. Not at all. It's like we all know that now. We we thought that it was like that a few years ago when we started, but I mean. Like when you when you don't know what you're getting yourself into, it's very easy to jump, and I'm glad that I jumped. So from there on, you just have to, like I said, push the boundaries. How we can we can get with Sinister Five in this case? Yeah, for sure. That's that's great. Like I, I again, I also had the same eyes as you. Like I felt like at the start, everything's new. It's exciting. You just want to go in. Everything's amazing, and it's great because that that's the best way to start because there is all that stuff there, and then you can yeah. get a good start like that. But now. Let's let's talk about the other part of it. Like, what is the lessons you've learned along the way? I want to know for you in these three years, what is the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway you've had from this entire experience? What what is that one lesson that stood out for you? But there's quite a few. I, I, I won't be able to pinpoint one great all right, main give, lesson. But a, a, few a few is even better than one. So first of all, you need to to put in a lot of time into this. Whether you, even I mean, if if you're a player, you probably know that already. If you're an MGO owner specifically. 
put in the time, you need to be ready to, to meet players on Discord, to organize things. Uh, you need to always be there to solve problems, uh, whether it's between players or any other kind of problems. You need to be very hands-on. So, so for you to, to do that, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. The only thing that I'm probably so passionate in this world is, is esports, so it was easy for me to do it. And I actually enjoy even sitting at practices with, with, uh, with the guys sometimes. So you have to be hands-on. It takes quite a bit of money as well if you want to reach the top. Like you either have to be good with sponsors, which I probably am not, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get better at that. But yeah, you have to put in some, some money and some time into it. Those are, those are the two lessons. Uh, I've probably put more money than what I had to because I didn't know how things work. So that's one lesson that I can pass on to the, to the next generation of MGO, MGO owners. Do it with less money, but the time is definitely required. Yeah, that's fair. I think on the topic of sponsors specifically, I think what you you, you guys, Sinister 5 and Goliath taught me is actually just how tough it is, right? If you look at Goliath this year, they've won, I mean, more than five tournaments. They've won CSGO tournaments, multiple, C- so multiple CSGO tournaments, Dota, the Dota Masters. They won the Syntec uh, Masters for the Dota. They've won like more than six lands this year, right? You guys also, you all won Masters last year. I think... Worth seeing all of that and seeing the current climate of sponsorship, winning is not enough uh, for sponsors alone. Like I think, I think in terms of socials, in terms of victories, in terms of the team mentality, I think both you guys and Goliath um, sort of started at the same time and have done a really good job coming into the scene. But it's it's been a struggle for sponsors there, Evo, for both of you guys. I think so. Look, I can't say that I've put 100% effort into that and I'm planning to improve uh, on this. But on the other hand, we need to be able to provide value to these sponsors. And if we have 200 people watching us on, on our best days, it's that's not a lot of value. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to try and improve on that front uh, and see how it goes for the for, for next season. We've got some exciting things planned and exciting projects coming into 2020, but we will need that we will want us to back us up, and that is my goal for for, for the end of this year to to start getting uh, out there and looking for sponsors. All right, let's see so, how that goes. So, you, so your take is that you think just because um, I mean, realistically speaking, the esports scene is quite small. The amount of eyes coming into the scene is not the most. Like, like you say on streams, you're sitting at like 200 people max, a couple of times 500, but it's not enough eyes. You think that's one of the issues in terms of sponsorships there, Evo? Yeah, I think it's not enough. It's far too little. Um, if I look at Bulgarian streams, now that I'm here and I can I consider they they get a few thousand people watching. I mean, like I said, it's a small country with not many tournaments happening. We've got, we've got more tournaments happening in South Africa. Uh, we've got probably better tournament organizers. Uh, uh, the, the the scene is a bit better, in my opinion, in in South Africa. Yet, uh, even I don't know about the sponsors. Actually, I was going to say more brands involved, maybe in in numbers of brands, but uh, no, yeah, mean, there's yeah. more people. Yeah. Like, uh, just from like the little bit that I know, like I, I do know that also like the European sponsors sort of have to like they have to split up their sponsorship. So like you know you get a, it's not like you get a European package for Steel Series. You get like a Danish package, and then you get like uh, what they can spend in Bulgaria, what they can spend in Hungary, and that they they basically have to split that up. So I, I think you might be correct. You know, yes, slightly so, yeah. correct in saying that like South Africa might actually have a little bit more. That's why I say uh, 
bad to think that we are lucky to have where it is at the moment. And bro, uh, from here, just bring in many uh, more spectators and and young people coming into the scene. That's I think what we should all be working for. Yeah, that is a sentiment I can definitely get behind. Prophecy, where do where do you stand on that? I mean, it's exactly what we need to hear. It's exactly what we hope to hear. Um, because you know, it's like at the moment we aren't big. Like South Africa itself is not big enough to really support an entire ecosystem. But uh, every month, every year, it, it continues to build, and that's exactly what we need uh, from from MGOs, from teams, from players. Everybody needs to like sort of understand that like everybody has a part to play, and like every part is important. It's not that one is necessarily more important than the other, but like. If you don't work together, the likelihood of of, of um, those things going away is much greater. Because, I mean, we were saying just last year, 2017 was a great year for uh, for 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 SE Sports. We got you know truckloads of money coming in, and then yeah. 2018 was a graveyard. Like we had almost no big tournaments. So it's it's fantastic to see that this year is slightly recovered. Um, I, I still do think 2017 is probably a little bit higher, maybe just on the the prize money front, but we've we've had more tournaments this year, and that that's absolutely fantastic. But the problem is, you know, it's expensive to run a LAN. To, to run sure. an offline event is is obscenely expensive for everybody involved. So you, sorry, not even you, all of us actually need to like realize that like we need to find ways to make it more valuable for teams so that they can get their players there. We need to find a way to make it more valuable for MGOs so that they can afford it and, you know, are more likely to run it and, and, and to make it more valuable for sponsors as well, because sponsors at the end of the day are the lifeblood of esports right now. Yeah. yeah. Basically is... we have to grow the numbers and yeah. for those who know Sinister 5 probably already know that we try and engage the, the community our fans as much as possible through social media and stuff but nobody is approaching the schools at the moment and that is a place where i believe we should be holding talks and 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 just spreading information about esports and nobody is doing it now and i've been well i mean uh, something but yeah i i will say though that like um major props to to vs gaming they've got actually the the high school championships high running school this league, weekend yeah. so yeah. yeah like major props to them uh, i was like I originally spoke to some of the guys that that wanted to start it up, but um, yeah. the the fact that VS has actually you know been able to put their their, their marketing engine and and their um, clout behind it is is wonderful to see because that's exactly what we need. Um, you know, it doesn't help targeting a whole bunch of twenty to thirty year olds. Just, they yeah. got a whole bunch of other things on their plate. You you target the kids, you're going to be growing that for years. They're yeah. competing between schools in, in different sports anyway. Why not just add esports? Yeah. And and stats from 2017 or 2018, country member, there was about 80 to 90 schools, private schools, which offer esports, and they're actually mm-hmm. doing it to to attract uh, more students to their private schools. You know, because they they have um, acknowledged and realized that esports is going to be a thing in the future. They have to yeah. they have to get into it. So you, you got to attract the kids somehow. Yeah, exactly. I think that is a place that we can start, or at least it's all uh, those numbers that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. With prop, I'd also like to say, like, mad props to VS Gaming. They actually um, branching out, tapping into a whole new market that hasn't been there. And Evo, we've spoken about this in the past. The amount of potential in tapping out, uh, tapping into those that high school market. You have so many yeah. private schools in South Africa, so much. Um, it's such a big middle class market there that are looking for this sort of thing because every kid nowadays 
does play games. They spend their time playing Fortnite. They're seeing um, like players on talk shows. You have these huge personalities like Ninja. This is the future, right? So I want to know, maybe even on that front, like what's some more ideas you have on how to sort of, how do you imagine the practice happening of these high school leagues happening, for example? Well, first of all, the schools, I mean, if you imagine how many schools in South Africa and how many hundreds of thousands of kids are there, judging by the messages that I receive on our on our Facebook uh, you know, from people, from young people, always asking, how do we become uh, pro gamers? How do we get in? Do you have an academy team? What do we have to do? Like they're this place where they've, they've, they've maybe seen Sinister 5 somewhere, they've heard about Sinister 5 or, or other MGOs and some tournaments, but they have no idea how it works. They have no idea what to do to, to get better, uh, how to join a team. You know, they, they've got zero knowledge on that and, and we need to carry them from that from that place into the, into the place where they now know exactly the path to become uh, a pro player or where they can watch tournaments or where they can get more information about what's happening. I mean, let's, let's face it. There isn't enough information about tournaments happening to begin with. Never mind that these guys are not exposed. They're not, they're not following the right social media accounts, you know, to begin with. So when I was at school, we, we always had every Friday, there would be different people coming and doing talks like sometimes about drugs. I don't know. Other times about sport and different things. I was, I was thinking we get, we get a team, uh, supported a little bit financially between the MGOs, and we we have people doing these talks. That is one way that I can that I can think about it. We'll we'll send some apparel as well to to get them excited. We'll give them the right places, uh, that the right social media accounts to follow, the right now they can ask questions, they can have their questions answered. That type of thing is maybe a maybe yeah, an idea. Yeah, it's in that. It's a brilliant idea because if you think about it, if you're a team, right, you go live gaming, you go into a school, there's 3,000 kids there. You go in there, you take pictures with the kids, you talk about esports, you sort of, you have these pro players um, giving their opinions, opening uh, young, more young people's eyes that gaming could be a career um, or it's a future. There's this whole opportunity out there. I mean, it's good for the brand image. You're going to make yeah. some kids days. You can give away shirts. Like it's actually just awesome. For, for, a win-win for situation for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's maybe an idea that we, I've been thinking about this for more than a year. It's just, I can't find the right people that can go and do these talks. I'm willing to support it financially. And I will send some, Apparel Sinister 5. If there's other MGOs that also want to join on the initiative, we can do that. I, I don't know if there's any obstacles. I mean, how do you get into those schools and what do you have to do to be allowed to, to hold these talks? But get through that, I think it's going to be great. There's going to be so many more people knowing about our, our esports scene. Definitely something worth looking into. I'll actually say myself personally, I'll look into it. I know we had this conversation like more than a year ago already, but yeah. you've opened my eyes even more this time, I think. Let's let's have another talk about it when you do some, if you find any obstacles maybe that, that makes them not possible. I don't know. Yeah, we can, you got to work and yeah. try, right? Same thing like when we started in the scene. We didn't know what was yeah. happening. We made it through, we learned a couple of lessons and that's, that's just how it goes. So that's another it, thing, that's question it. I have, yeah. And I have to ask you on a, on a different note, um, is that as an MGO in the scene right now, what is, what is the current climate right like? Like, um, what is what is kind of the issues that you're facing? What are the kind of perks of the scene at the moment? Like, what is the climate in your eyes as an MGO owner? My only issues are the financial. That that 
we're burning through a lot of money to keep Sinister 5 where it is at the moment. Uh, I'm hoping and I fully understand actually that esports is going to be uh, is going to be the future and all we need to do right now is position ourselves. Uh, even though we, we are small, it's going to be going to get bigger and bigger. And uh, even though I don't want to run Sinister 5, or that wasn't ever the intention to run Sinister 5 as a business making money. I want it to be just self-sustained. Um, and that is the point that I want to get to. Uh, once I get to that point where, you know, we've got enough... Uh, finance to for, for everybody to travel for you know, everybody to enter tournaments maybe have some salaries for the players i will be i will be very happy so that is my goal for the next one or two or three years who knows how long it's going to take that is my my issue and that's why i get a bit frustrated to the tournament tournament organizers starting to charge us even ticket fees and actually tweeted about it uh, but at the same time, like I'm saying, we need to be creating um, a value for, for them as well, as well as for the sponsors. Um, so I can't really blame them that, that they have to, they can't put out so much money from their side as well. Uh, it's just that I think at the, at the moment, the, MGO, the MGOs have it the worst. Uh, players have good prize pools to play for. Um, tournament organizers, I don't know, they, 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 they just put a prize pool and... They organize a tournament, yes, but the rest is on the MGOs. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I feel that way because I'm the I'm an owner of an MGO. Who knows? If they speak, they will have a different. Uh, but yeah. So the interesting thing about what you said there, right? Now, obviously, the camps internationally are split about this, but it's it's even rumored to say that MGOs, like talking about the big clans, the Liquids, the Navi's, that even they are losing money it's in certain climates that. It's it's tough out though. Even though they got their big names, they're paying these hundred thousand dollars salaries, all that kind of shit. They they're struggling to stay afloat. It's it's costing out of pocket. I've I've heard numerous um people talk about how even TOs like the question like some when uh when uh when are we gonna hear TOs saying that they're making money from the scene, right? Is it just the concept of okay, we're gonna own the scene, we're gonna proof of concept, proof of concept, proof of concept, and one day we're gonna make money, or are people actually making money? I know the likes of Valve makes money from hosting TI that sort of stuff, but like. Those are not TOs. Guys. Yeah, those like, are not the TOs. The devs. Yeah, like uh, TOs don't ha have access to that revenue stream. And like, yeah, if, if you think about it, like uh, Evo here will, will will know is that like, you know, we talk about sponsors being in the scene, but the MGOs and the TOs are basically applying to the same sponsors as well because the TOs yeah. have to go and get the sponsorship money to give uh, out a prize pool, and the MGOs have to go and ask from that same. Uh, to from that same sponsor money to like you know get their teams to said tournament. So that is that is exactly the reality in South Africa. We'll we'll get to the international uh, scene. Yeah. Now, so international. In so South so Africa, South Africa, definitely. In South yeah? Africa, what you say is completely factual. There's no debating that. I don't think if anybody wants to go correct me on the record, I'd be happy to hear it. But I don't think players, casters, tos, nobody can fucking say they're making money in the scene. Like if I get corrected there. Great. I'm willing to say I'm wrong, but I the, 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 the players the players who win the players who win actually make money, and it's not little. If you take all the all the tournament prize pools, they actually make okay money. I mean, they can be they can be fortunate. The TOs and the MGOs, uh, I don't think so. But that is exactly why we have to be growing the scene and getting spectators in and getting more and more people coming into the scene. 
just have to create that value for the sponsors. If we don't create the value, the money will never come in. When it comes to the international scene, though, undoubtedly there is a lot of money into it. That if if what you're saying is true, that people are not making money, then the balance is off. It just needs to be balanced better. That that everybody can can get finances. You know, so, so the, it the, must the, be the balance. Yeah. yeah? So the, the, the international point I wanted to make was well, the way I learned um, about this, and I know again. This is international. This is what I just hear from people saying H2K on the the guy who owns H2K was saying on the Thorin uh, Listen Local podcast that he says he looked at he was going to apply for a license for LCS, um, the League of Legends League, the, the big one, right? Uh, the, the European uh, one, LEC. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah. LEC, my bad. And he said he looked at the contract and he looked at this thing and he said it's and then he, he, he says it's tough to make money in South Africa in, in, the, in the esports scene. It really is as an MGO. But yeah. the way they had that thing set up uh, from a Riot point of view is that you as an MGO get completely fucked in his eyes. He says, Riot probably make a good amount of money from this whole LEC, the way this thing runs. But anybody else trying to come into it is, is, not, is not, not looking good. He, he says he couldn't think of a way that could be profitable the way that system runs. And he says, speaking to other MGO owners and stuff, that's, again, just his word. But he says nobody's making money from the League of Legends. And League of Legends is the biggest esport in the world. So the publishers needs to be less greedy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> uh, that's never going to happen. No. I mean, <laughs> if, if, but if, if they're greedy and they actually destroy their own titles, um, yeah. esports environment to win, how, what do they gain from it? They actually lose out. So, yeah, it is, it is a big question to pose. Yeah. So to bring it back to the local thing, I think what my, me acting like an asshole talking about facts about nobody making money and what Eva was saying, what I was actually trying to say is that it's a really tough climate out there for everybody. I think for the MGOs, there's no doubt about it, Evo, you guys are struggling, but I don't think the TOs have it easy. I think they're running these big events, it's looking good, like the Rage, like the Comic Cons and stuff, but I don't think it's easy. I think they're fighting to get those things and to make those things happen and real props to them for doing it. Um, yeah. And everybody in the scene right now just coming together to keep the scene going. I think it's really, really tough right now. It is, it is tough. Uh, that's why I'm saying that, that we are lucky to have to have this scene. So people up giving 150% MGO owners must be putting money in. Uh, the, the brands, the sponsors are not getting enough value, but they're supporting the scene. The TOs are not getting enough value, but there's, I mean, like I've heard that you guys have been critical on VS Gaming and stuff, but just imagine our scene without VS Gaming. Yeah. Just take that that one piece of the puzzle. Just take it out, and and just imagine what will happen. Will we even have a scene? Yeah. Battle yeah, we State, uh, A little I'm, bit I'm... smaller, but also the. I mean, they're also trying. So. <laughs> it, yeah. We, I... It's every all of these all of these cogwheels are so important. If we. One of them actually goes off. We've got how many MGOs, big MGOs? We've got uh, Sinister Five, if you can say, big MGO. Um, Goliath, we've got WRG, we've got uh, Energy. Uh, who am I missing? Bravado. Then, Bravado. What, Bravado, but they don't really have many teams right now. I don't know what's happening with them. Uh, I don't know, ATK is overseas. Bravado is in the Call of Duty at the moment. They're, yeah. they're not doing yeah. much in, in the CSGO and Dota scene. Um, I don't know. I think I'm missing one or two. But then what, what happens to the smaller ones? If if they have if there's those lands that we keep doing, Joburg and their players in Cape Town, guys, that is about 40,000 rent for, for, for tickets, for for transport, for accommodation, and for food. Then 
if they have to do it two, three, four times, where do they get the money from? It's yeah. if 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 we are struggling as bigger NGOs, so at least I can speak for myself. What what's what about the smaller ones? So yeah, everybody is putting in much more than than what they can afford or, or the time that they have, and that is the only way that we're gonna make this this go bigger. It's unexpected yeah. to be taking out at the moment. There is no, there is basically no money. You can forget about money to be made in in South African esports. You all you can hope for is to position yourself uh, into the scene or into South African esports right now and and hope for better days. But you actually have to work for those better days to come. You have to contribute in some way. You can't just be sitting back. So yeah, that's my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I completely agree with you. That's a good sentiment. And like back to your point about the tickets and stuff. So I think you brought up earlier the fact that you guys have to pay tickets to go to events now, right? That's it seems like a crazy thing, but the one event where I saw it was the first one I think it came up was the Rush event, right? And for me, yeah. when I saw that and I saw your point of view, I had I spoke to other players and stuff about this and they were like, This yeah. is ridiculous, how can we pay? But then I thought about it, right? I don't think I think it is ridiculous that teams have to pay to go play. But at the same time, if you look at an event like Rush, forget even the esports part of the event itself. To me, it looks yeah. like a skeleton. Like you need the, the guys who are in the esports section are only guys who are playing. So for you, that whole event to happen, you actually need the fucking people who are playing to subsidize why, it as well. Why are we doing a land then? Why, why don't we just have an online tournament? It's probably going to get more people watching it. I understand Comic Con and these big rage events and stuff, but... Syntec Masters, an example. Why does it have to be a LAN? Why not just an online tournament? It's going to cost so much less for everybody. And at the same time, we're going to create the same value, if not more value. If you just put all those funds into advertising the tournament better and getting and, and getting it out there much more. Why are we doing so many LANs? They, they were literally five or six, or I don't know how many Counter-Strike LANs. What happened is my team would travel on the weekend. They would fly back because they they have work or stuff that they need to take care of. And then the following weekend, they'll fly again. And, and another three weeks later, they'll fly again. And all of that is just extra expense. And for the big tournaments, like, you know, for the big events like Comic-Con and Rage, I understand. But for the smaller ones, we don't have to, we don't have, to have all these LANs. Just... What what do you guys think? I've I've been asking myself why does it have to be a land when there's not even any spectators sitting there watching? So what, yeah, what exactly like, are we achieving? I, I think the problem is is that players always you know like you, you sort of rate lands higher because it's uh, the the fact that like it matters more in a way. Um, you know, it, it they're harder to win because there's a lot more pressure when you're sitting at land. But yeah, like I fully agree in terms of the uh, expenses side. Like lands don't make sense right now, not in South Africa. Yeah, uh, they they are wildly expensive to like to to transport players up there, and you know like the problem is people here. It's like oh okay, it's flights, yeah, but it's food for the players for the three or four days they're there. It's yeah. um you know keeping them in a a bed and breakfast for those three yeah, or four days. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's a much more expensive endeavor than just getting the players up there. It's like you have to keep them there, you have to keep them fed, and and that's the real issue is that like. Lands are amazing. Everybody wants a land every weekend, but like, you know, as you were saying, like it has to be valuable for the TO in the end because the TO is going to be the one that has to rent out the the area. The teams are the the ones that have to foot the bill to get the players there at the moment. Yeah. You know, ideally, somewhere down the line in in five years' time, the the TOs are you know are subsidizing that. But right now, that isn't the case. So the MGOs are footing that bill, and then the players have to take. Uh, 
you know, they, they have to take leave off if they're working or if they're, you know, too young to be in school, they might not yeah. get that opportunity. So, like, everybody's having to sacrifice right now, and it, it, it sucks. It, it, it's, it's not a fun situation, but it, it, it is what it is right now, unfortunately. Well, with, with, with the tickets, why I pinpointed the tickets, I even said in the, in the tweet that I understand the other expenses, but just the, the, the tickets were the cherry on top. Like, I could accept the rest, and I, I feel for the tournament organizers as well, and I know that, that they're spending a lot of money as well. But the tickets is, in my opinion, just a, a matter of negotiating and saying, okay, we're going to be holding uh, this tournament at your event, and we get the tickets free for the players that are going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. They should. They no, I agree. Organizers should say like, "Yeah, no, it's just a matter of negotiating. We we are helpless as an MGO. We can't go and negotiate our own to get the tickets for. So just an extra expense that that slept on us. And like I said, it was the cherry on top. And I just sat and thought, why now also tickets? Yeah, I I kind of I I don't think you were in the wrong for putting out that tweet. I like that angle. I, I think it was a great question to bring up. It was a great thing to get called out because it hasn't been the norm previously. Like I said, I think it's not. I think it's not. Um, I don't think it's one answer to it. I don't think it's. The right it, thing it's to not do an easy general. answer. Yes, it's no, no easy, easy answer. answers. And even for the land question, like I think for the different tos, the question becomes different because I think VS Gaming this year have got that new space, right? They've got that new Maverick Center. They've got their own place. For the, so for them to host the LAN is a very low-cost thing at the moment. So they've had 10 different LANs this year because they're hosting each of their games as their own event, which they've never done previously because it's always been in the basement at Rage. So I think for them, it's an experimental thing this year to have so many different LANs. So for VS specifically, I actually don't fault them for having the amount of LANs that they have, even though it's tough. If you have a LOL team, you have a Dota team, you have a Counter-Strike team, Fuck, I'm, I'm sorry for you, MGO. That is so horrible, to be honest. Yeah. But I think yeah. from VS Gaming's perspective, I mean, we spoke about it in the podcast last year that we think, I think Nick Holden was saying that he thinks they should have separate events. Each of these big, like the Call of Duty 45,000 Rand was just like, 45,000 Rand land was just like a by-the-way thing in Bottom of Rage before. But if you think about it, it's the biggest Call of Duty land. So why, don't, why yeah. don't you make it its own special event? So I think it's something they're trying this year. So VS Front, I think it's pretty cool what they're doing. Yeah. But on yeah. the other side of things, I don't know why a Syntec would host a land instead of just have your production there. You could do it in the studio, the Metal State Studios like we did. You have the casters and stuff there. And then just have a, an online event. I, I, don't, yeah. I, can't, I can't answer that question for them, Ivo. I don't know the answer myself. Let's see. Maybe someone will answer these questions for us. Uh, like I said, we're not tournament organized, so we don't know what they're trying to achieve with, with all these lands. And yeah, it's great for the players. Uh, they would say, oh, we're going to a land. It's cool. They're, they're going to play for something. There's a good prize pool and everything. But it doesn't make sense on, on the other fronts. It doesn't shouldn't make sense for TOs because they'll spend so much more money. It doesn't make sense for MGOs. Uh, I don't know from from brand perspective you can get just as much exposure online because there's like literally syntech masters how many people were sitting there watching were there people sitting there watching i, don't I mean know. there's Was no spectators there? even allowed at that that line so what is the point like like if someone well, one of the to organizers i mean tournament organizers can answer that maybe it's something that i'm missing i don't know but i think those ones in particular like syntech masters should have been an online and Rush also, I think, Online, for the Dota uh, and Counter-Strike, I, I, I think that as well. Because I think yes. Syntec Masters, they had that idea. They wanted to do that Summit style. You get players on the couch talking about the games and stuff. I think very creative, 
brave move from them. I like it, but I don't know if yeah. the scene is ready for it. And then Russia as well. I think you had a WESG qualifier there. It's a qualifier. I don't know if that needs to be a land. Oh, there's literally not. no spectators at Rush. Like at Comic Con and Rage, you're gonna have many, many, many eyes on your on your event. But at Rush, not really, mate. If you have energy taking a rest, sitting on the seats while Sinister Five and Goliath play, I don't know if that counts as a fan for me. To be perfectly honest, Prof, I don't know where you sit on this. I mean, even if you look at at Rage and Comic Con right now, how, how many of those people are, are actual spectators as opposed to somebody that just needs to sit down right now? I mean, but on a marketing point of view, you can still say, yeah, "Oh, you're getting new eyes sure. on the thing." Comic Con makes sense for sure, but like I said, those other ones that you, not even spectators are being allowed in there that that to me doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's like you said, like Eva was saying earlier, if, if MGOs, if TO guys want, sorry, if TOs rather have answers to these questions, can give us some insight into why they do the things they do. It'd be great. We're we all trying to learn here. That's that's the thing. Well, yeah, maybe maybe they're listening. My theory is they're listening to the to, to all the players in the community saying, we need more lands, we need more lands. And they yeah. don't actually think about what that you know, actually what it means, yeah. implies, what it means. And they go for it, but yeah. <laughs> a lot more costs and and not not that much value out of it uh, yeah yeah but if they if if there's something else that we're missing maybe it's something like oh yeah shit we didn't think about that <laughs> who knows <laughs> yeah. but yeah so we've had a great interview so far info you've given us a lot of um i think meta discussion outside of sinister 5 to think about but i think i have one last question that has to do with sinister 5 specifically uh, um in yes. my interview is that you guys, one thing that stands out for Sinister 5 for me, as a, that's different from every single other fucking MG out there, every single one, is that you guys have a strong philosophy of loyalty. If I look at your Dota team last year, you had the same team from the start of the season to the end of the season. I look at your Dota team this year, you had the same team from the start of the season to the end of the season. Your CSGO team last year had some young guys coming up, you know, we were building up. It wasn't these big name players. It was all yeah. these guys you built up and you guys stick loyal to them even through the tough times. I mean, last year, there were Twitter threads going about they wanted, people wanted to see tracks here and kicked and shit. But you guys yeah. kept cool, you kept that mentality together and you guys had yeah. a great success with it. So where does, what is you guys thinking with that mentality? I'm glad that you have noticed that because that is definitely 100% correct. It's, it, loyalty is very important to us. We've got relationships within within the, the MGO, which we value a lot. Um, like I say, uh, we have these meetings on Discord very often. We, we are very much a part of each other's lives. Uh, and that, that has proven to work over the last couple of years. Um, that eventually, that type of that type of uh, what do you call it? Philosophy should should win on the long run. Uh, I, I have no doubt about it. If you look at Goliath, an example, uh, they're a little bit the opposite. They they're happy to take any good player that comes, you know, sits with them for two three months and goes as long as they can win this next particular tournament, and and it's working for them short term. I think our approach is definitely going to be. It has been and it will be in the future different. We we we, we like to uh, build on, provide provide this platform and this uh, foundation, and then build on from there. Those relationships are very important to us. That the unity is one of our great values. Um, so it's it's always been like that for the past three four years. We've we've got very little turnover of players. Um, we're very happy with the players which we, we currently have got great relationships with them. They have great relationships between each other. They have become friends or they have 
good respect uh, within the team. So that's what we're trying to breed, those positive... Uh, I, I think on the long run, that definitely matters and it's it top for, for long. Right. Be able to preserve it. I like it. In football, I'm not a fan of the Real Madrid's, the Man Cities who just buy their way to the top. And I think in esports, it's a similar thing. I think have a team, build it, work with it. And I know I was one of those people saying hashtag Crick Traxion last year, but fuck it. When he came to Masters, the most important tournament of the year, that man carried you guys to victory. So what yeah. what, what do our sideline people know? It's about the team, right? And the, yeah. loyal, the loyalty that you guys show, I think For is sure. impressive. I don't so know. any final thoughts, Evo, before you we, we close up this interview? Final thoughts? Uh, thoughts? Anybody you'd <laughs> like to thank? Anybody you'd like to, you know, maybe you'd like to hype your team up a little bit? I would like to thank, first of all, everybody that's helping me manage the team, like Duncan, Mr. Beckeling, and Matthew and Marianne, for those who, who know them. Uh, all the players that have stuck with us through thick and thin, and they've they've done so great for us in the last couple of years that we've achieved. We've just improved and improved. I mean, we were we were nobody like three years ago, so for us to be here now is, is a great achievement. Mm-hmm. We've won Comic-Con last year, which was something big for me. I've got I actually have the frame here with some of those papers that the green and white papers that they spread mm-hmm. around uh, in, in the frame and a picture of that. So those are great memories for me. Uh, yeah, so I would just like to thank everybody. You know, it's a live organization and yeah, we keep those boundaries further and we see how, how far we can we can still go. Awesome. Thank you so much for yeah. being with us here today, Evo. Really appreciate it. And thank you to all you lovely listeners for joining in, hearing what Evo has to say and hearing what we have to say on the Esports Central Podcast. This was episode number 63. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at KChickDay, at G underscore K-A-Y-Y, at ST Gattelelli, at Prophecy Gaming, and of course, our publication, Esports Central. Find us on Facebook at Esports Central today, Twitter, Esports C-N-T-R-L, and of course, at the World Wide Web at esportscentral.co.za. Thank you all for tuning in. Goodbye.